production. Footy talk for you Monday as we lead into finals and what a massive addition it is. Kate McCarthy in studio and she wants to take aim at the people who are taking aim at Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Down the line, Ryan Daniels gives us an update on Simo's contract at the Eagles. Does he stay? Does he go? I talk footy trips, which I love. This is all on the Footy Talk podcast coming up next. Footy talk time for your Mondays as we get ready for finals. How good. Eight teams cemented their spot. Ten teams there on the piss and go on a footy trip as I welcome in studio an absolute delight for a Monday. AFLW royalty, media mogul Kate McCarthy. Daisy Thomas, it's great to be here heading into, obviously, the buy round for finals. The first round of AFLW starting this weekend as well. But. Yeah, congratulations to the 10 teams who have officially started their off-season. How good. We will touch on that in a moment's time. And the unofficial Mayor of Perth down the line, (laughs) as has become a regular on a Monday, Mr. Ryan Daniels. Welcome. Uh, you just keep inviting me back, which surprises me every single week. But here I am. The, the weather's beautiful. The teams aren't great over here. But, uh, you know, there's there's always a bright side, and we'll get to that for a couple of the teams later on. Well, plenty going on over in the world of the Wild West too. And when the jungle drums start to beat over there, you need mm. to sit up and take notice. And I think we'll have some clarity in the next day or so as to what is going to happen with the predicament that is the West Coast Eagles. But K-Mac, you come in on a Monday, you demand the new ball for your top three. So take it away. <laughs> um, so my top, well, my number one is the the GWS turnaround. Ooh. So their ability under a new coach, obviously Adam Kingsley in his first year as coach for the Giants. I think there's a fair bit of talk about himself being coach of the year. I think it's got to be either him or Ross Lyon. Just the fact that they've taken a team that is brand new to them and turned it around and got them both into finals. Um, they were three and seven at one point. The Giants were. Yep. In wow. this round, uh, in this season, and also the the turnaround for Stephen Cornelio. We know he played his two hundredth game last yep. night. Um, you might be a little bit dusty after the celebrations that were spent with him. Yeah, I, I went and just made sure that everything was above board at that celebration, and well <laughs> done to him. But he's playing also. It's amazing. It's, and to the point of the coach, he's putting the players in their best spot. Cal Ward looks like he's 18 mm. again. Cogs yep. is running around like he's 21. Toby Green, we know he's a superstar, but Tom Green, who was in and out of the side, it's incredible. Yeah, and I think in the past GWS, we've looked at their list and gone, geez, they're so talented. They've got this bloke and this bloke and this bloke. But I do feel like this year we're seeing some of the second, third tier guys, Brent Daniels, Kieran Briggs, Jake Riccardi. You mentioned Cal Ward, who's now sort of in that last phase of his career. These guys have had great seasons and they're playing really important roles. And that's not what we've necessarily seen with GWS. They've been carried by talent. So I think that's a real positive. And the Kingsley turnaround, you talk- on it, the players playing their their good positions or the positions that they are actually uh, accelerating yep. in and playing some really good footy. And Cornelius played his 200th game last night. He's at a career high for disposals, inside 50s and metres gained. A guy that could not get a game last year and had the captaincy taken away from him. It's incredible. And it's good to watch. They talked about at the start of the season they were going to be bold. It was going to be the orange tsunami. And it took a while to get going, but it's been awesome. So they now play the Saints 
at the MCG, not at Marvel. Mm. So I'm not sure if the Saints will be happy with that or not. Uh, arguably not. But I don't think the GWS Giants would fear anyone in this finals campaign. Yeah, no, I agree. And that flows nicely into my second point. So the resilience of teams from five to eight. So just having a look, looking through the bottom half of the top eight. So Carlton, they'd lost six in a row at one point in the season and Voss was on the out. There was talk about getting rid of Michael Voss. They they were going to burn the place down. They were going to Icon Park with pitchforks and uh, torches of fire. Members members were throwing their membership cards out in the game. People mm-hmm. were like, they were finding yeah. the cards on the ground. Yeah. And all of a sudden now they're in fifth <laughs> position. They won eight in a row. We're going for nine in a row last night. Obviously we saw how hard it is to play when there's absolutely nothing to play for. They were fifth, no matter what. Charlie got his Coleman within the first five minutes. So how they good. were out of there yep. after that. Um, but now they're going in to finals and they're playing an elimination final against the Sydney Swans. How many times do we see these clubs go to the brink of almost making a change. We don't know how close Carlton got. They said the whole way, Vossie was their guy. But the, there was a lot of noise around it, and we've seen it in the past with Damien Hardwick. We saw it with Bomber Thompson, and then something clicks and everything turns around. And right now, Carlton has got as good a chance as anyone of winning the flag, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Victorian side in fifth spot, That's you know, you can play some home finals regardless. I think they're in a really good place, uh, and it's pretty exciting. I mean, they're on that side of the draw, aren't they, with Collingwood-Melbourne, right? So if they win, they stay in Melbourne again. They don't have to go to Adelaide. They don't have to go to Brisbane. Um, So that's significant. The poor people who had thrown their membership down are now (laughs) scrambling through the (laughs) chairs at Marvel Stadium and through the bins trying to find them just so they can go in the ballot because Friday night football, MCG, it will be against Sydney, of course, but there will be 90-plus thousand Blues fans have been absolutely deprived of any sort of reason to cheer apart from getting number one picks, and that hasn't gone so well in the past as well. So this will be huge. But another fantastic point came out. You've started two from two absolutely on far. And then point three. So one that just got to me a little bit over the weekend was just our ability or our knack as Australians to have a bit of tall poppy syndrome. So we like to sort of... I guess, cut down the people that are at the top of their game or look at reasons why they shouldn't be worshipped or valued as players. Um, And it happens in in all sports, really, with Australians. Um, But one that really got to me over the weekend was the fact that people had an issue with Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody being chaired off and having a guard of honour, okay? So I understand the disappointment or the anger around people having a guard of honour or being chaired off in their 100th or their 150th. Um, Certain radio broadcaster of mine, uh, friend of mine, (laughs) BT, he hates it when people get chaired off at 150. And I understand that. I do get that. His underlying factor is the devaluing of when it actually is deserving of 200 plus games. And and I sit comfortably within that. Uh, And I completely agree. If you're 150, walk off the ground, wave a few people. You don't deserve a a double guard of honour. You deserve a pat on the back. You deserve the bonus. You get in a nice bottle of wine and piss off and move on to the next (laughs) hundred games. But the thing I have a problem with is Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, he's played a number, I think it was 138 games he played. um, Kicked around 150-ish goals. But he was not chaired off because he'd played 158 games. He was chaired off for his contribution to the game of AFL football. He's born in the Tiwi Islands. He comes over at 17. He cannot speak a word of English, does not read or write, is taken to Gippsland, is taken in by a beautiful family. He ends up taking their last name and 
just what he has offered to people of the Tiwi Islands, to Indigenous Australians, even to Essendon fans when he was brought in at a time that that club was on the brink of just disaster yep. after the doping scandal. Everything was wrong in that club at the time and he gave their fans something to really appreciate and cheer about. So for me, there is absolutely no problem with chairing him off and giving him a guard of honour purely for his contribution. You can contribute to the game of AFL football without having played 200, 250 games. Couldn't agree more. Uh, He's one of the great entertainers we've ever seen. There was a reason to go to Bombers games. It was to watch Tipper, uh, a fantastic um, representative of the AFL. I've got zero problems with him getting chaired off. In fact, he could have done a lap of honour. In fact, he should have done five laps. Let's bring him out (laughs) on grand final day. Just get him in a car. Well, he'll be in a car. He will. will. And he'll get one of the loudest cheers. I guarantee it. I tell you what, there's going to be an absolute shit ton of cars because it feels like this year more than ever, <laughs> a lot of people have retired. But I agree with you. Well done to Tippy. If it is your final time and you get to say goodbye and he has done amazing things for the game, uh, well done to him. Hey, I'm going to punch through mine pretty quickly because they're not as good as your two, uh, your three you've provided, and Ryan, your ones that are still to come. But why am I still more pissed off than the Adelaide Crows? <laughs> This goal decision that's been spoken about a lot, and yeah, yeah, okay, it wasn't, it was a goal, we we got it wrong. They would have been playing finals football. They mm-hmm. would have been playing finals football. When you talk about resilience of teams in fifth to eight, they were a side that nobody picked to spike like they have, and they would have been playing finals. And I think the brand they played, they could have shaken it right up. Okay, here's my question. If you're Adelaide, you, you didn't make finals technically, but yeah. you did, yeah. right? So do they still get to walk away in this off-season as a side that knows that they were good enough to play finals. They probably should have played finals. If the rules, you know, if a different system had been in place, they would have played finals. So it's almost like nine teams made the finals this year. They can walk away and go, yeah, we're doing some stuff right. Let's extend the coach. You know, let's, let's keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep developing these dudes. It's not a complete loss because, yes, you want to be there. Yes, absolutely, you'd prefer to, prefer to be playing Carlton on uh, next Friday night. But they're not but they can still take away something. It's a really weird... We've never had this before. No. I think the best part about it, well, that they can take away from that is the team that they beat in the controversy are the ones that are now eighth. Yeah. So they would have had those points. They could have arguably ended up a little bit higher than eighth if they had something to play for. And that's who's in their spot. It's, it is incredible, and I think they can certainly be happy with what they've done from the year. I think it's been a real improvement of a season from where we all expected them. Obviously, internal expectation is different to the outside world. You know the thing that would probably annoy them most, Dale? What? The fact that there were about 400 goal reviews on the weekend. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> Every other game we've seen a decision reviewed, especially at that point in it time. One last night for the Carlton GWS uh, game wasn't even reviewed, and they overturned it. And, and the, <laughs> like, the fact that they – and, yes, it's good to know you should have been playing, but the experience for young kids in this side of actually getting to see what it is, and there's no right in saying they would have gone out and played well against Carlton, they could have got beaten by 10 goals, but the experience of rolling out and going, wow, this is what it is all about, this is what you want to play for, this is what we're fronting up pre-season for, that in- experience is invaluable, and unfortunately for their members and their fans, they are one of the 10 sides now that we making their way to one of Mark Rusciuto's pubs to have... <laughs> A couple of responsible beers. Uh, That leads me to point two, Mad Monday and footy trips. I love the fact that Essendon and Richmond are still doing a footy trip. This is good for the game. As long as you don't go away and as long as nobody stuffs up uh, majorly. But the Richmond boys talk about how good it is culturally for them to all go away at the end of the season, have a nice decompression, and then just to really build some bonds. And as we know, it doesn't require going out on the piss to make good friendships. 
but a lot of the time it helps. And for these sides who are going to have to bounce next year, I love the fact that footy trips are still around. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, probably my second season or first season for St Kilda, we all sort of made a pact. We were going to be really good. No booze in the preseason, no booze in season. Um, obviously, it's, it was only a 10-week season, so that's not probably a whole lot to ask for from people to buy into that. Then at the end of the season, we all sort of went out and had a whole lot of fun and we we kind of turned around and looked at each other and said, we should have done this at the start of the season. Yeah. Like we've seen sides of people that we haven't before and not exactly your point. You don't need to drink to, to make friendships and have bonds, but it does break down a few barriers at times mm-hmm. with some people that are that are more quiet or reserved. Um, and yeah, absolutely, I agree. It brings you so close together and just changes the dynamic of what you get at the football club. Yeah, and the game's got so professional and so restricted and all these things are drifting away. All the fun stuff's drifting away. We need to keep some of it because that's where the game's essence is, right? It's the fun stuff. So oh, yeah, I've got no problem with it, but hopefully they all behave. Yes, well, that is the, the big <laughs> if, and we hope they do. And the Blues, well, it's turned their season around from absolutely no good to now playing finals. And the last one is Brisbane Grand Final or Bust. The way they set up for that side now, their demographic, their age profile across the board, if they don't make a grand final from where they sit, and we know how hard it is, but they get the double home final, the fortress that is the Gabba, they need to be making it through to a grand final, or I think it's a disappointment. Is that 100%. too big of a statement? No. no 100% Good. right. I'm glad. They're right in the space. They've been playing prelims finals for a while now. You mentioned their age. It's perfect. Uh, they've got a really good hardened bunch of stars, midfield backs, forwards. They're, they've got every base covered. They've got a really experienced coach. They've got two home finals at the Gabba. The path is there for them to make the grand final. They just have to not screw it up from here. They've got to play Port Adelaide, which is going to be tough. Oof. Port are a really good side, uh, but it's sitting right in front of them. They just have to take it. Now, whether they can turn up on grand final day, if they get there and, and actually perform at the MCG, we haven't seen that a lot from them. That's another question, but they, the path to get there is wide open for Brisbane. Well, as a Brisbane fan, I'm nervous because I completely agree with you guys. It's You're confident. A, you texted whole... me and said, I need a ticket to the grand final. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I said that because when I moved to Melbourne, everyone was, oh, you're going to the grand final. I've never been to a grand final. Ah. Um, and I said, no, I would wait until the Brisbane Lions made it. That would oh. be my first grand final that I'd ever go to. And now that they're close, I'm getting a little bit excited. <laughs> but then I thought, wow, how can I get tickets? And I thought, oh, well, Daisy will be able to sort me out. He knows everyone. He's, he can get me in. Um but yes, I think I think it's it's a little concerning in the sense that we saw how bad they were on the back of buys oh, as well. Sure. If they win the two games, the the first two games of the finals, they week then have off. the bye and then go into that grand final with the week off, or they go into the prelim with Don't the week off. Don't even put it out there. That's, that's making me nervous. Don't <laughs> even put it out there. The Brisbane Lions, you are good enough. This time is now for you guys to go on and have a real tilted. And hey, very strong start team. We will get to your three big points after this, Ryan, including what is going on with the West Coast Eagles and their coach. This is the Footy Talk Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, please hit the bell now. We keep rolling with the Footy Talk Podcast, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews, and analysis from the world of AFL. We've punched through my three, Kate's three, and there has been a really strong start, but I feel like we have saved the best till last as we look down the lens at a tanned man from Perth. Oh, I don't know about the tan. <laughs> yeah, that was tight. <laughs> I'm uh, the whitest man in Perth. You know that for e- sure. The Eagles. 
What yeah. is going on? What is going on? It feels like the jungle drums, as we said, are starting yeah. just to beat a little bit louder. Well, if you read the messaging, West Coast last week, the start of the week, they came out and said, hey, no, nah, this meeting doesn't mean anything just right now. They had a board meeting this time last week. They were in it at the chairman's house. They came out of that, um, and a lot of the talk that I got from that conversation was that uh, there was some positive mood behind Adam Simpson's future at the club. There was some at the board who wanted him to be the coach next year and the year after. He's got a two-year contract. Um, there was some that thought, hey, we need to we need to at least talk about the possibilities, right? And and when you're a club that's lost as many games as they have in the last two years, you do need to have those conversations. And you might come out of those conversations and say, yeah, he is our guy. Or you might have to get some fresh air and some fresh voices in the club. Now, as it stands today, there's been no announcements. I'm expecting we'll know within the next 48 hours whether Adam Simpson will continue as the coach. They've got exit meetings to do all week with their players. They've got assistant coaches that need to know what's going on. There's the the club champion awards are on Saturday night. Now, typically a coach would do a speech. You don't want that awkwardness hanging over it. So they're going to have to move pretty quickly. Gun to my head, is he going to stay or not? I would say the more likely scenario is that he goes now because Ooh. they just left it hanging out in the air. I mean, if he's staying, wouldn't you just come out and say it? But I made but does this that point. need to be said, though? He has two years. so well, does that, it... well, that's exactly it, Dale. Last week, you don't leave it hanging out there. You say, no, no. He's our guy. He's yeah, got a two-year okay, contract. Let's, okay. They have publicly said, we'll address the Simpson situation next week. And to me, that leaves it hanging out there, and I don't think that's been fair on anyone. The last point I want to make on this is, to me, two things. One, you must know who your next coach is if you're doing this sort of stuff, and I'm not sure that there's an outstanding candidate out there just yet. But two, it's not that you just don't think Adam Simpson's the right guy. You have to pay out two years of a contract, big money. It's going to cost you about four mil when you include the soft cap tax. Now, that means you have to think that he is absolutely the wrong guy, yeah. that he cannot develop your list, that he cannot get these players to improve. And I can't see how that's the case. This is a premiership coach. The players seem to like him. The supporters have a lot of love for him. So I, it, it doesn't make sense to me to move him on, but it's hanging out there. And when it's hanging out there this long, that's usually a bad sign. We'll find out in the next 48 hours. It won't take long. We may have just rolled out of the end of this season, but right now you look forward to next year. Mm. The only side I don't see improving, and I don't want this to sound any way harsh or controversial, is the West Coast Eagles. I think North have taken steps in the right direction. Hawthorne have been uh, grouped in that bunch. They've already shown that they've taken steps in the right direction. There's, I see no gain in bringing in a new coach, a new voice for mm. much of the same pain. It's just going to shift the pressure to somebody else less e- experienced and make the whole thing continue on. And the changes that they're going to make this week with lists and things like that, usually mm. you would have brought in the new coach by now or at least yeah. have had someone on your radar, like you said, Ryan, that you know you want to get into the role. But they, mm. I don't think they're even at that point yet. So that, that new coach needs to have a say on those decisions. Because mm. they're going to rock up and coach a list that they had no say in. A little bit I, of the Brad, Brad Scott I mentioned stuff. one mm. name last week, Dean Cox. Well, I mentioned two, Don Pike and Dean Cox. And I'd keep an eye on Coxie. I know right. there's reports that he doesn't want to do the job, but uh, I'm not so sure that would be the case if it officially opened up. Let's okay. just watch that space. We will mm. keep an eye on the mm. big man uh, with the big snout. <laughs> point number two, the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> you look at that list, how are they not in the best eight teams in the comp? Like, just... Just quick, I don't even have to look at their list to, to know these names. Bonson Pelly, English, Norton, Trelaw, Smith, Hugo, Hagen, the, McRae. The list just goes on and on at Libba. Like, they're star-studded. How are they not in the best eight teams? This doesn't make any sense, right? I'll, I'll give you the reason. Name their worst five players. 
Name their bottom six. Mm. Name yeah, their good, solid yeah. role players. Yeah, yeah, it, that's a good point. They, this is it. They are, and when you think about it, because I've been in the same predicament, you sit there and go, you've got the most exciting forward in the game in Jamara, the most explosive forward there with Air Norton, the midfield stacked, your defence probably needs some help, but they do a decent enough job. But then you think about the really good sides, and at the moment, that's your Collingwoods, that's where your Brisbane's and your Port Adelaide's have improved. You got blokes like Markov who are playing roles, Johnny Noble, McCreary, these sort of guys mm. that I don't think the Western Bulldogs get enough bang for buck for with their probably bottom six on the list. And that's why we get the inconsistency of result. The best players play well every week, but their bottom six don't provide enough help for those guys. And this is where they're at. That's the beauty of AFL footy too. You can't just have the top guys playing well. You need a whole performance around the park. And I think that's shown through in, in the top teams this year, especially the four top, the big four that we've got. They've got role players. They've got their bottom their bottom five or six could arguably be a whole nother five or six that are on the list and they could still do the job that those boys are doing. I feel mm. if you are the Western Bulldogs and you're the big dogs up top though, you're starting to look and go, okay, well, why is this? Why do we not have a coach that drives these bottom five or coaches in a manner? And I think that's where the questions start because there's no doubt there's enough talent, but the way and what they're getting out of it isn't quite right at the minute. And this has been a long process now with Bevo in the top seat. No doubt there'll be questions asked in and around that. 100%. One of the more disappointing teams of the year, that's for sure. Uh, the third point, North Melbourne. That win on the weekend, great for footy. And I know there's a lot of North Melbourne people out there who will say, what are you doing? Why do you win that game? It's just cost us the potential to have pick one and two. You know, we could have we transitioned <laughs> the list even faster. But I hear Clarko talking yeah. after that game. And somehow I'm nodding along with him going, yeah, you're right. This is the way to go. Like you made the right call. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I see people like Heath O'Loughlin, who used to be their head of media, he came out last week and said, any North fans cheering for a for a loss, you know, this is not how we should be approaching footy. Like, uh, And I, I tend to agree, as much as just on paper it's nice to have that pick, I don't know, there was something about that game that made me feel pretty good. Dale, I could see you shaking your head. You don't agree. I just sit there and I understand the sentiment about wanting to win and continue. You've lost 21 games in a row. One more doesn't hurt. Like in the grand scheme of things, one more doesn't hurt to get a player who we're going to liken to a Dusty Martin. Yeah. And when you think back across the drafts, yes, and Clark, I made the point, the number one player in the draft doesn't always go on to have the most outstanding career or guarantee you of success. But you look at teams who've had a different draft pick or done a different thing. So, you know, Tambling, Richmond took instead of a Buddy Franklin. Mm. Yeah, the couple of the picks the, the Bulldogs have had were and St Kilda as well, taking players instead of other players. I think it was a Jack Billings instead of a Marcus Bontempelli for the mm. Saints. These become not just small term. These are 10, 15-year decisions. So I get in the short-term Nerf fans are happy they got to celebrate and cheer for a win. I just hope it doesn't bite them in the backside come the long run. Well, I think Channel 7, the Fox guys, they missed a trick. It could have been a camera at Harley Reid's house for the for the North <laughs> Melbourne game and for the West Coast game, just to see the reaction to every moment, ride the train with Harley and see how he was feeling about all of it. Because no one had more of an emotional uh, roller coaster of a weekend than North fans, West Coast fans, and probably Harley Reid as well. So. There's one thing for certain. Nick Larky hates Harley Reid. <laughs> <laughs> this is personal between them because Nick Larky just said, no, Gold Coast, I will single-handedly put this side on my shoulders. We are going to the promised land. And that promised land was one victory in Hobart, but that's where he took them. Uh, uh, we wait and see what actually happens in and around that pick one too. Hey, very good. We got a little bit of MRO stuff and a touch of injuries before we wrap up. 
It has been a massive show, but rightfully so as we roll on to the pointy end of the season. Yeah, you're right, Daisy. The MRO, so weirding. I was at that game last night doing that for Triple M and that eye gouge, it didn't look good on the replays. And the fact that the uh, the broadcaster didn't actually replay that till half time was also a little bit of a question mark. But yeah, when we when we did see that, it was um, in my opinion there was just no need for his hand to go anywhere near Toby Green's face. So we saw with Jared Berry, his one game suspension was overturned against Clayton Oliver because he used the the reasoning that he was trying to get up. There was no other way that he could sort of push Clayton Oliver off him, and he got off that charge. But Last night, there was no need for Weedering to put his hands anywhere near Toby Green's face. Just silly. Like, as you say, keep your hands away from the face. Every time this happens, I'm always like, guys, it's a no-brainer. Whether you're going to make contact with the eyes that's going to cause some damage or not, or whether you're just grazing them, keep them away. I hope that the MRO, and I know it shouldn't be this way, but I do hope because it's a final, they just pull back a little yeah. bit on the drama. Just like, we know Jacob Weedering's not vindictive. We know he's not going out there to eye gouge and tear Toby's eyes out. I reckon just let him let him play. You say that, but what if it was Toby Green oh. that did it? Well, this is, oh. And I know that that's going to be oh. something that's, that's asked. But I was just <laughs> laughing of how full circle footy's gone. I just, yeah. There's an eye-gouging charge with Toby Green involved, and somehow he's not the one that's going <laughs> up before the tribunal. And he <laughs> actually is... he played it really well. He kept his cool after it. He was uh. quite professional in the interview after. He didn't want to say anything to yeah. get anyone in trouble. Um, he, I love Toby. I couldn't love that man anymore. Same. He yeah. is one of the but great. But the Toby tax is a real thing because if that mm. was Toby, we're sitting here saying, oh, he's done it again. It's this much. He needs to get this many weeks. Yeah. But because it, it's Jacob Wienering, we're saying, oh, Give him a break. It's the finals. But I just think it's not fair when you start to profile players like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more, but the AFL don't like it when there's face involved and the hand in that area. That's probably the biggest MRO. A couple of injuries. Jamie Elliott's got a corked quad. Obviously, the extra time off. Uh, we go through the sides that are in. Bailey Fritch and Jake Melksham are probably the other big ones out of the weekend's footy in terms of what's going to happen in finals. Bailey Fritch, especially as he just came back. Yeah, well, the good news is he came back onto the field and he played and he kicked a couple of goals, I think, after yep. that as well. So that's a great sign. Melksham's been pretty handy for them, and I like him as sort of a game-breaking goal kicker. Um, so he's the one to keep an eye on. The other one is uh, – who is I missing? Oh, it's Akers for Carlton. Yeah, that's – he's been so important for them up on the wing. They said post-game it doesn't look great, but they're waiting on a scan. Hopefully they'll get that Tuesday. Um, he's got a bit of time, uh, but that collarbone, yeah, it's risky. And and he's been, as I said, so important for them coming over from Freo, running up and down that wing, gathering possessions at will. He had 20 when he got subbed out, which I think was halfway through the third. He's, yeah. He's a ball-winning machine um, and super important to what they do. And on Jake Melksham, though, that's heartbreaking if it is the ACL, which oh, Simon Goodwin said mm, it looks like it is. Not. Having looked at the replay, honestly, there's really no, yeah. not much else it could be with his yeah. knee. There was no one around him. He was changing direction. It was so innocuous. Um, but obviously missed out on the 2021 grand final. And he was just – he really helped them turn the season around. 100%. He was the forward that got them going in the forward he line. as much as Petrarca. While they were waiting for some changes, yeah. waiting for Bailey Fritch to come back. And I just feel com- like so sorry for that guy because this is the, the worst time of the year for an injury like that to happen. First mm. of all, you miss out on these finals, but – 
you almost take the whole season next year to get back as well. And he is a guy that was probably playing for his career as well. So we do wish Jake all the best because he is one of the good guys in footy. Hey, team, absolutely brilliant. The cream rises to the top this time of year and we have started the preparation into finals as well as you could have ever liked. Rhino, you have yourself a wonderful week over there in Perth. Thanks, guys. I'm on Simo Watch. I'll let you know how it goes. We appreciate that, K-Mate. Anytime I'm in your presence, I consider that an absolute honour. You have yourself a wonderful week. <laughs> Cheers, Daisy. You too. This has been the Footy Talk Podcast. Tomorrow, Joey and Rui with all the footy action as we lead into what is going to be a massive 2023 finals campaign. <laughs>